Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to another week of the Squiggly Craze podcast. I am Helen. I am one half of the Squiggly Craze podcast, and I am joined by my friend, business partner, and co-author. I hope you like that intro, Sarah. Uh, Sarah, very good, <laughs> very professional. I know, I know. <laughs> Which actually, just on that point, the professional intro slightly undermined by my recording setup right now. Would you like to know what it looks like? Oh, well, mine's pretty bad as well. So let's have a fight over who's got the least professional okay. setup. Go on, you okay, go first. Okay, so my, I'm sat on the floor. Of my study, Same. study in slightly. Oh no, I'm alone. Okay. I'm not even in a study. I'm not even in a well, work environment. We need to talk about the word study. What defines a study? But my microphone is on my chair, right, kind of like head height for microphone. But my study. Oh, you haven't got a desk, have you? Yeah, I'm without a desk because I decided to sell my desk. Because we've got a lot of books, not just our books, lots of other books, I thought I needed a slightly smaller desk so I could get some more shelving in my study. So I sold my large desk on eBay with the intention of buying a smaller desk. However, I ended up buying a desk, another desk, which is exactly the same size as the one that I've sold, which isn't going to be here for another month. But it's really nice, Uh, but it's not going to be here for another month. So I currently am sat in my room pseudo study without a desk waiting for a new one to arrive which is the same size as the one that I've sold so it's all backfired but it is very nice <laughs> when it comes so you're, you're in your lounge on the floor yes because I don't want to wake up my toddler who's only just going into bed about now for people who maybe are newer listeners and are thinking oh they usually both sound quite professional <laughs> interviewing all of these guests in January most of the time our weekly podcasts are recorded as we're doing them now Sunday night between about 8 and 10 p.m. as our kids have gone to bed I'm obviously already in my pajamas are you really like, I'm, I'm, not, ne- I don't I'm like- not oh yeah Sunday night totally I mean I barely waited until like 5 p.m. and I was like oh I'm just gonna get my pajamas I'm like half pajamas pajama bottoms a top that could you could wear outside <laughs> <laughs> lounge no I saw something just thinking about this podcast introduction, I did see something that really made me laugh on Twitter this week, which we have definitely just done, where they said, I'm really fed up with podcast introductions, talking about people's personal life. Just get on and talk about the topic. Right, okay. I mean... <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's definitely us. The, the debate as to whether Sarah's actually read that on Twitter or is just trying to give me some passive-aggressive feedback now is... Uh... <laughs> oh, no, I did actually read it on Twitter and just thought... So true. Oh, yeah, probably... 
like we we think we're having like a nice introductory chat and everyone else is probably just like get on to the topic okay. so I can like move on with my life. All right, let's do it. Right. The topic everybody today is I feel like I need to talk in bullet points now. Um it is hard versus soft skills and is it better to be a generalist in your career or a specialist? Should we start with some definitions of like a specialist is defined as a person who concentrates primarily on a particular subject or activity and a person who is highly skilled in a specific or restricted field. So that's your specialist definition. And the generalist is is a lot shorter, which I think is quite funny in itself. Um, a person competent in several different fields or activities. Full stop. <laughs> I, I know, I thought it was really funny. Jack of all trades, master of yes, none. Yes, there we go. So getting straight into it, Sarah, why can't we all just be a mixture of everything? Why do we need to think about it in careers today? Well, I was thinking about this because I think within squiggly careers, because these kind of less traditional career paths are disappearing and probably our choices are less straightforward and not as simple as they've been previously, A, you're just making more choices, but also you do start to want to, I guess, be a bit more considered about thinking, well, probably what's more important to me, generalist versus specialist, soft versus hard skills, and kind of spoiler alert, but I think our listeners are all smart enough to realise that this stuff is not going to be binary. There is no winner. But I do think it's something, and actually the more I've thought about it, I think it's something where if you think ahead over a slightly longer period of time, I think then it actually can probably help guide the direction that you go in in the next three to five years, because... I always say to people now, never ask that interview question, like, where do you want to be in five years' time? Because it just doesn't feel very meaningful anymore. And I think that's right. But actually, when I was starting to think about this a little bit more today, I was thinking, oh, but when people do want to plan a little bit more in the medium term, which I think lots of us do, we sort of want to make sure we're doing the right thing here and now, but also feel like we're broadly heading in a direction that we find motivating. I think this can actually be quite a good lens for almost medium term planning. So maybe we should have a little chat about our soft and hard skills or our specialist or generalist kind of preferences <laughs> in our careers to work out whether, whether there's any difference between us. Do you think you have more soft or hard skills? And do you think you are more of a specialist or a generalist? So it's really interesting because intuitively, straight when I just look at the kind of words or the labels, I just thought oh, I'm definitely a generalist. Got no no good skills, basically. <laughs> no, like, proper hard skills. And actually, I was looking at... You sent me through this list of the skills companies need most in 2020, and they divided it into soft skills and hard skills. For example, the soft skills were things like creativity, adaptability, emotional intelligence. So I was kind of feeling quite good about myself. <laughs> and then I started to read the hard skills, and it's like blockchain, cloud computing, UX design, albeit... And this one I would challenge, actually, in terms of they're all quite specific things. And then it had sales. That's such a broad thing, though, to go from number seven being affiliate marketing and number eight just being sales. I know. It's like surely there is more nuance in sales than just sales. I know. I thought that, actually. Not like, not like I can do that either, to be fair. But, you know, it just stood out to me. I'm trying to think, when I've done sales roles, the stuff I've been taught, there was the... Um... PSF technique that I learned at Procter & Gamble, which is the persuasive selling format, which I guess they tried to make that into a hard skill and P&G are very good at scales. Yeah. And then I think negotiation is quite a hard skill, which is within sales, but it's not called out separately. So I agree with you. Of the list of 10 things in the hard skills, that was one that seems to be, it's the most 
muddy. I felt like it was doing it a disservice. Yeah, well, I feel like a brilliant salesperson is a mixture of someone who has got emotional intelligence, who is able to build rapport quickly, which I would characterize as more soft skills, and then somebody who is great at persuasive selling and negotiation. A good salesperson, are they more hard or are they more soft? I I feel like I might go the more soft stuff. I just found that one quite interesting. So I, I was actually thinking, definitely as somebody who spent quite a lot of time probably in the second part of my career getting comfortable with the fact that I was more of a generalist and that's where a lot of my value lay and I think for me yes I worked in marketing for a good 15-16 years but I worked in lots of different parts of marketing I worked in lots of different sorts of industries I was never particularly attracted by a kind of specialist marketing skill albeit I probably leaned slightly towards a certain type of marketing so I couldn't do all marketing but almost any time I was in danger I think of probably really knowing starting to get specialist I was actually always very happy to move on and try something new so I think I almost stopped myself becoming a specialist because I was always attracted by oh I could use the kind of more soft skills that I've got in a different capacity in a different industry in a different type of team in a different type of organization and that was always more appealing to me. I was now thinking, though, maybe now with what I do, with what we do, and I'll be interested to see if you've thought in this way or, or not at all, maybe I'm becoming more of a specialist because I feel that everything I do now is all about developing people. And that shows up in loads of different ways and using probably some soft skills and some kind of hard skills. But I do feel like probably for the first time in my career, I feel more of a specialist now than perhaps I've ever done and it neither makes me go I'd rather be one or the other I think I was actually just quite surprised when I was starting to come to that realization because I think I just don't associate myself (laughs) with having like specialist skills and actually I'm always you always want what you've not got don't you and I'm always very admiring of people you're like wow they like really know their stuff they're like really deep experts I think I really admire deep experts in topics you know, particularly now with what we do, the people I think I aspire to and learn from are people who I would associate as being deep experts and that's something that I would want to keep investing in myself and get better at. So I don't know, it's given me, you'd have thought this would be quite a straightforward thing, but I think I've got into quite an existential crisis about whether I'm a generalist or a specialist. (laughs) So Sarah normally reflects a lot deeper than me, but I actually am having all the same quandaries as you. So I know, it's so funny. So I thought... I've done a few like qualifications. I've got like a project management qualification, for example. And a few things that I've done that are almost like harder skills. I kind of thought, oh, well, of course, I've I've had a few moments where I've been a specialist because I've got this like harder skill qualification thing. But actually, when I look at the definition of a specialist, a person who is highly skilled and who concentrates primarily in a particular subject, I don't think I've done that. I think I've just picked up qualifications that have been appropriate for the job that I was doing at the time. But I don't think I've Mm. deliberately focused my career on those areas. It's just because I like learning and that's been an opportunity to me. I've taken the opportunity to sort of uh validate that skill that I had been using at that time and I think my career same as yours is very like generalist based and I have also got to the same conclusion as you a person highly skilled in a specific mm, restricted I caveat but a person highly skilled in a specific field I kind of think well 
that's what I now spend all my time doing, like career development and developing people. And then, Sarah, the bit I get worried about is the word expert. I have a real, av- <laughs> honestly, <laughs> a real aversion to the word expert. So in doing all of these... Well, as in you don't want to be one? Well. Or you don't like the word? Well, or? so I came across some research a while ago when I was doing like the career tip stuff for Instagram that said that actually when an individual thinks of themselves as an expert, it can actually make them more fixed mindset because they almost like, Ooh. I'm an expert, I'm the leading oh, knowledge okay. person in this. And then you start to almost protect the self and external perception of you being an expert, which means that you start to get a bit defensive about your knowledge. You maybe stop being curious. And then I kind of go, I don't really like calling myself an expert. I feel like I just want to be the, you know, the whole learn it all versus know it all thing. I like, I want to be the most curious person about career development rather than the most expert person in it. So I also had a, I think I'm more specialist than I've ever been, but I don't want to become an inverted commas expert because I sort of worry about the connotations of that and how that makes other people feel when you sort of put that boundary around your knowledge and your specialism. Yeah, though I think perhaps that's a bit like with the things that we talk about in terms of moving from career ladders to squiggles, perhaps that's an opportunity to redefine what we mean by specialist or for you to redefine in your own mind and think about, well, how would you define specialist in a way that was motivating to you? Because essentially what you've gone to is my first thoughts when you say the word expert feel quite negative. They don't feel useful or motivating to you. Mm. Whereas actually if you could come up with a way of thinking about those things in a way that felt really good. So it opened up more possibilities. It opened up more learning. If you sort of almost like flipped each of those things on the head and went, what's the opposite of that? What happens if it meant this thing? That might be then... It just it's probably a very different kind of mindset isn't it as kind of a starting point but yeah it's, it's interesting I'm, well yeah. at least I'm glad it wasn't just me <laughs> I feel like what I want to do is somebody who uses a significant body of knowledge or experience and continually develops their understanding of their subject <laughs> that I really get into that definition of a specialist one bit I think I do find myself worried about a little bit as I worry that I'm a little bit biased in this so because I think I favor generalism partly because my own career has been that I do worry sometimes whether maybe I undervalue specialism so I'll give you a real a very real example when I worked at Virgin so I had a team in Virgin Insight and half my team were much more generalist and half of them were much more specialist and I remember when I was recruiting for that team And what I was really looking for, and they were hard to find, was what I would call heads up analysts, was what I was basically trying to recruit analysts, which was a skill set that I was not that familiar with. And what I was trying to recruit for was a blend of people who had the technical skills, but also who had some of the more generalist skills that I was looking for. So the ability to build relationships, the ability to use the data that they were spending a lot of time in to create meaning for other people. So what I was calling like heads up analysts, people that weren't, they could go down, but they could also kind of engage other people with their insights. I do think in my mind that's the sweet spot so somebody who has a bit of both and so whether you're a very soft person but you have a few hard skills that you draw on or you're primarily a kind of a hard skill person but you almost have the capacity to develop the soft skills that allow you to engage other people with that specialist knowledge but I think that might be the sweet spot but I don't know whether that's a bit biased because that's maybe where I where I come from what do you think? Yeah, I think the conclusion I started to get to when people are making choices and decisions about 
specialist versus generalist because I think it is a decision I think it's something that you think about for yourself kind of what's motivating to you and then you start to make choices based on that both in terms of maybe the jobs you might do the projects you work on the learning you decide to do and kind of the time that you have is I would start with your strengths and in particular your super strengths and I would be thinking about okay when I think about my two or three super strengths so those ones that are you know I want to be particularly brilliant at the things I really enjoy that I want to use as much as possible that I really feel in flow when I'm kind of using these things what are those super strengths and I feel like they almost when you talked about that kind of sweet spot I would kind of go well I would almost overemphasize and overstate the super strengths and work out well does that put me in a generalist or a specialist soft versus hard have I genuinely got a real mix in terms of two of those are generalists, one of them might be more specialist? And then think about, okay, and then how do I fill in any gaps that I might need to fill? Because if I've got all three of them and they are soft skills, I might want to think about, okay, but how do I make sure I get good enough at some of the hard skills that are relevant to the job that I'm doing? Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So the second tip then, so the first one was all kind of all about knowing what your super strengths are and kind of using that as your initial filter for specialist or generalist. The second one is actually taking a step back and looking at the profession that you're in now or maybe you want where you want to go into the future and being really clear about what the most valuable soft skills and hard skills are for that profession so for example if I think about what Sarah and I do at the moment you know we run large training courses for organizations on career development and we do lots of coaching with individuals and teams and all that kind of great stuff we love if I was to say okay what are the top couple of soft skills for that listening being a really engaging communicator being uh, supportive 
empathic. You know, I could list lots of those. If I think about the hard skills, there's a very hard coaching skill in there. I think there's a there's a particular skill around storytelling that we do as well. And I could list kind of more of those hard skills. Now, once you've got that list down, I think it's up to you to make a conscious choice about the things that you want to develop in. And I think the difference is where you just sort of blindly go, oh, I'm just going to do the things that I love doing or the things that I enjoy. I think you've got to think about what's the role I'm doing now or what might be a role I want to do in the future and what are the things hard and soft that I might need to learn. You know, maybe for us, it might be organisational psychology or behavioural science might be some of the harder things. And it's not that you need to learn all of them, but it's about making a conscious choice about what you are learning and what you aren't learning. So for example, when we started doing Amazing If full time, you know, previously, you know, we'd had like our corporate jobs that we've been working in. I looked at the hard and soft skills that I thought I needed to do to be brilliant at my job. And I realized that I had, you know, I was pretty well developed on some of the softer ones, but, you know, I didn't have a coaching qualification. And I thought, you know, that is a hard skill that I want to add into my mix. And now I'm doing it again and thinking, do you know what? I am really interested in behavioral science and would that help me in the job that I'm doing? So, make sure you have that list so that you're making a conscious choice about what you are developing in and you understand and you're really confident in yes I have developed more soft skills or I have developed more hard skills but that you don't feel maybe all one way or all the other and then you get a bit blindsided when you feel like I haven't spent any time developing an area of skill that maybe I should have done. So the third tip is think about building a complementary network inside and outside your organisation maybe based on what you don't have. Because I think all the evidence is that diverse teams, people who bring different things to teams, yes, sometimes those teams can feel quite hard because people bring different perspectives and points of view, but they always get to better outcomes. And ultimately, I think when you can make those teams work, they can feel like a really brilliant place to be and where you add probably, I guess, the most value. And so, you know, you might proactively think about Who am I spending time with? Who am I learning from? Which are the projects that I put myself forward for? Which are the roles that I want to do? And actually, I think when you're making choices, even like looking at that and and making a best guess, I think for me, I remember as I was moving from marketing into corporate responsibility, very much kind of in my generalist years, I was very mindful of being a generalist. But I also knew that I'd got a lot of specialists in the team that I was going to join. And that gave me confidence because I knew it was an area that actually needed specialisms really more than generalists. So there was kind of less of people like me. But also I thought, oh, that's good because I'll have something different to add. And But I was also very clear about that's what I was adding and that I didn't have that specialist knowledge. I mean, with me, it was so obvious that I, I didn't have it, <laughs> that people kind of knew that. But I think sometimes, you know, if you are going for interviews and if you are looking at things for the future just looking at that network and building a network of people who've just got different backgrounds different skill sets definitely I think some of the people I've got some people I would like us to build a network with for amazing if in the next 12 to 18 months is probably more in that specialist world than ever before so not people who are generalists but more people who are uh, as Helen would say experts to actually just be able to really learn from them, learn from their kind of depth of knowledge. Not because I think, oh, I'll get to their depth of knowledge within 12 or 18 months, but because I think, oh, that'll probably be helpful for me in terms of understanding what's possible, how far do I want to go with the specialism? Because I think with all of these things, it's a spectrum. Some people are, I think, highly, highly specialised, you know, and have really chosen to go very specific on a 
topic area on an industry I was reading um, an article on Harvard Business Review actually about specialism and generalism and the specialism they were describing was really really niche and I was thinking well I would always be miles off something like that but it's interesting to know kind of where you are kind of right now and where you might be so I think just think about the relationships that you have in your company outside of your company do you have some people you can learn from so like I described in terms of the if you're a specialist that wants to become maybe more of a specialist, do you want to kind of move up to a kind of a different place from where you are today? Have you got some people to learn from? Or have you got some people who are just different to you, who are complementary to you? Listening to you there, it makes me think about, I was, well, I've read two books sort of around the subject. So there's a book called Range by David Epstein and then a book called Rebel Ideas from Matthew Syed. And they both talk about the power of cognitive diversity and collective intelligence. And they talk about actually within organisations, organisations are really able, whether they're an organisation that's full of half specialists or half generalists, the value comes actually in bringing those two groups together in some way because you go from individual intelligence to collective intelligence and it's where abstract thinking can emerge it's where there's cognitive diversity people get different ideas because they're connecting different concepts that one individual might not make that connection but two people who come from different departments or different functions or even you know different industries are able to see the that's a parallel that exists over here and it just sparks new thinking so I actually think for organizations and for managers, actually, if there are people thinking about their team here, we are not saying really that one is better than the other, which you might think is us sitting on the fence. But I do think what is the best thing to do is to be able to have the blend. And whether you're, you know, in a particularly hard function, maybe it's in, I don't know, you manage a team of accountants or something like that, or or lawyers, then I think it's about thinking about your wider networks and how you're bringing in some of that diversity into the mix, because it's the collective intelligence, particularly if you read those two books and look at the work of David Epstein and Matthew Syed is in that collective intelligence that the best ideas happen you mitigate risks from people who might think in a similar way actually falling into similar sort of thinking traps and it's probably a really good place for us to conclude that neither one is better than the other but actually it's in the joining of the specialist and the generalist the hard and the soft skills even if that's not in the same person that actually the best performance can happen. Yeah and actually I have been in organisations where I have felt that one has been valued more than the other. And that's something that I hope will change. I actually remember, I think, listening to people, very senior people, kind of giving career advice about kind of what one being better than the other or what you should do or how you should kind of make choices. And I think now recognising that people's careers are more personalised, that there's not one career path, acknowledging that... You know, I think even like things like the role of leaders and leadership is changing and structures are becoming flatter, etc. What that actually just means is you need kind of the right person, right job and all of those right people in the right team at, at the same time. And that, I think, is something that will slowly change where you start to organisations in their culture and in their DNA will start to recognise that you need to look at people and talent in different ways. And often I think specialist people, um, not always, but certainly I've seen it, perhaps want to be very specialist, but then want to work for multiple organisations. They are people who want to maybe work in a more freelance way or in a more project way. And actually, perhaps an organisation doesn't need their specialism all of the time. Whereas some of the time, I think generalists actually, because almost they don't have the kind of deep dive knowledge, perhaps they're people who are more likely to kind of be in the organisation. I don't know. I just think from my experience, that's just from what I have seen, that sometimes where you've got a real specific skill set, 
it's almost quite easy to market it. Mm. And then, and actually, if people want to buy it, there are usually multiple people who want to buy it, but perhaps organisations can't afford it all of the time. You know, when you go to squiggly careers and people working in different ways, working on projects, working freelance, working for themselves, I wonder whether we'll start to see as well teams needing to get very used to working with people who've also got quite different types of relationship with the organisation. Someone might be permanent, someone might be permalance, is some phrase that I heard in the last <laughs> week. Someone might be might be there for one project. And I always find it really reassuring, actually, when I was actually doing some training with a company last week where someone was on the training and they actually came and said to me, oh, you know, I am actually, um, I'm a temporary member of staff, but I would never know. I get treated in exactly the same way. I get access to all exactly the same things. You know, I get to come on training and those sorts of things, which I know is not always realistic all of the time. But I think that's a sign of a good organisation who sort of wants to embrace people kind of working in lots of different ways, whether you're generalist, specialist, etc. So maybe we should summarise our advice, because I thought actually when you said that, that someone, if we were to be really succinct about if you're thinking now, where should I invest my time? Which one of these should I kind of follow with my efforts? I think listening to the conversation that we've had, there are three bits of advice that we've got for you. The first is about focusing on your strengths. What is it that you're great at and what do you want to be known for? The second is about being realistic about the hard and the soft skills that are needed for your the role that you're interested in today, the ones that you want to explore tomorrow and make a conscious choice about where you are going to invest your time. And the third, is about surrounding yourself with diverse people that can complement your areas of strength so if you're thinking do you know what I really want to develop these particular hard skills make sure you've got access to some people who have soft skills that you might not have and likewise if you think do you know what I really want to be a really great generalist with all these amazing soft skills make sure you're clear on the hard skills that might be valuable in your professional industry and ensure that you've got networks with people who have those as well. So that's it for this week's podcast. Uh, we would just like to say thank you to everybody who in January uh, has gone out and bought our book. Um, thank you. If you are a super quick reader and you happen to be nearly finished or on the cusp of finishing and you fancy giving us an Amazon review, that'd be amazing. We'll try not to bore everyone by asking for it too often. But a bit like podcast reviews, those things do really make a difference. So podcast reviews, book reviews, always very helpful, really appreciated. And we do read everyone. Though I'm not sure whether you should read every single book review, but uh, <laughs> I think I think for, for us, you know, we really care what people think and we want to make sure that what we do is really useful and practical. So please do kind of let us know. And if you want to just give us feedback generally and not do it kind of through Amazon or Apple, you're really welcome to get in touch with us directly. We're just at Amazing If on Instagram, where Helen also does her daily career stories. That's an easy way to get in touch with us. Or you can just email us at getintouchatamazingif.com. We genuinely love getting your emails. So was Helen actually, Helen and I do a catch up on a Friday. And Helen said to me, what's your favourite part of your week this week? And it is always an email that we've had from someone. So yes, we don't always get back to you super quickly, especially not in January. We've probably been a bit slower, but we do read everyone. We share them with each other and we're really grateful for them. So that's it. As ever, if you'd like to access resources from this week's podcast, you can just go to amazingif.com. We'll get them up there as soon as we can. And we'll be back again this time next week. Bye for now. Bye, everyone. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 